It's Tuesday, September 1st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump steps into the street fighting and India's economy shrinks by 23.9%. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump picks sides in the violence on American city streets. Mr. Trump condemned a shooting in Portland, Oregon that killed one of his supporters and then refused to denounce the 17-year-old who shot three protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The former act was disgraceful, he judged, whereas the latter may have been self-defence. Joe Biden said Mr. Trump is scared of the hatred he has stirred. The president swiped back, claiming that his challenger has failed to repudiate left-wing civil unrest. Second quarter revenue at Zoom, a video conferencing firm turned verb, more than quadrupled compared with the same period last year, hitting 664 million US dollars. Net income reached 186 million dollars, easily outstripping analysts' expectations. The firm has become a virtual utility for lockdown businesses. Its challenge now is to use that position to sell them other communication services once offices reopen. India's economy contracted by an annualised 23.9% in the three months to the end of June. During the quarter, a severe lockdown was imposed in an attempt to curb the spread of COVID-19. The shutdown, which destroyed 140 million jobs, did not work. India is now recording more new cases than any other country. Nearly 80,000 new infections have been confirmed in the past 24 hours. The vice chairman of the Federal Reserve, Richard Clarida, said low unemployment may no longer imply tighter monetary policy. Central bank models that predicted inflation would rise significantly with maximum employment were wrong, he said. Mr Clarida's remarks followed Jay Powell, the Fed's chairman, saying he would let inflation rise above 2% in the short term. The first direct Israeli flight from Tel Aviv to Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates made aviation history when it flew over Saudi Arabia. The airlink opened after Israel and the UAE established formal diplomatic relations for the first time last month. Relations between Israel and the two countries have warmed in recent years. Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania imposed travel bans on Belarus's President Alexander Lukashenko and 29 of his officials for stealing an election last month. The three Baltic states have grown impatient with the West's cautious approach to forcing Mr Lukashenko out of office. Other European Union countries seem reluctant to target the president personally. Montenegro's pro-Western ruling party could be ousted from power for the first time in 30 years. The Democratic Party of Socialists secured just 35% in the recent parliamentary election. Its worst result since the country won independence in 2006. The pro-Serbian opposition alliance, which won 32.5% of the vote, could form a government if it can reach a deal with Montenegro's other two opposition parties. And now, here's today's agenda. Enjoy it while it lasts. America's payroll tax holiday. This week, some Americans will start to see more money in their payslips, Thanks to an executive order by Donald Trump which takes effect today, employed Americans will be temporarily exempt from the portion they pay of the payroll tax, which funds old-aid pensions and healthcare programs. 
the taxes will still be due, but not until next April. The president has long wanted to cut the payroll tax to stimulate the pandemic-hit economy. But so far, that proposal has gone nowhere among other Democratic or Republican legislators who prefer more stimulus spending over a tax cut. Unable to lower taxes without congressional approval, Mr Trump will instead delay collecting them. Unclear guidance from the federal government has left businesses confused about how the deferral will work. The Trump administration hopes Congress will later forgive the taxes entirely. But if it does not, both businesses and taxpayers could be due for a headache next April. Gavels ready. Trump's justices in waiting. In June, Donald Trump set today as the date by which he would release a revised list of potential Supreme Court nominees. With the late Justices Antonin Scalia's seat held open by a Republican-controlled Senate in 2016, Mr Trump announced 11 possible picks. He later added 10 more and another 5 in 2017. Today he may reveal whom he intends to add to the list of potential nominees should he win a second term, or if a vacancy opens before Mr Trump's first term ends. Conservatives enjoy a 5-4 to four majority on the Supreme Court, In several big cases, Chief Justice John Roberts, one of those conservatives, has shown a tendency to tack towards the centre. But with two octogenarian justices on the left, including Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 87, who is battling cancer for the fourth time, the court stands at a crossroads. More appointments could give Mr Trump the chance to cement a hard-right court for a generation. A Pyramid of Piffle Boris Johnson's falling popularity. Britain's MPs return to work today as Parliament begins a new term. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, will be greeted in Westminster with a protest by the Extinction Rebellion environmental movement. But an even tougher reception may come from his party's MPs. A poll by Opinion published at the weekend found the party level with the opposition Labour Party at 40 points each for the first time since Mr Johnson became Prime Minister last July. The government has managed the pandemic badly and U-turned on whether to apply a formula that cut the grades of A-level students. This autumn, it must decide whether to end the furlough scheme for workers in Covid-hit firms, whether to raise taxes to repair the budget hole the pandemic has left, and whether to reimpose another national lockdown if a second wave of infections hits. None of the decisions will be easy. A testy subject. COVID-19 screening in Hong Kong. Today, Hong Kong begins voluntary universal COVID-19 testing. In a city of 7.5 million people, health officials hope 5 million will have swabs taken over the next one or two weeks. To avoid crowding at test centres, appointments are staggered and must be booked online. But the scheme is controversial. Hong Kong recorded an average of just 17 daily cases last week. Some scientists think the benefits of finding perhaps 100 extra infections are not worth it. The 150 million Hong Kong dollar or 19.3 million US dollar cost would be better spent on tracking and tracing, they say. Like everything in Hong Kong nowadays, there is also a political dimension. China lent help for the programme, so some pro-democracy activists advocate a boycott. And Carrie Lam, the territory's chief executive, reacted angrily when asked why gathering for mass testing is deemed safe when elections scheduled for this month, in which pro-China parties faced humiliation, were postponed for a year 
ostensibly on public health grounds. Struggling to take off, India's airline industry. After a two-month air travel shutdown this spring, the Indian government began to permit domestic trips again in late May, though a ban on international commercial flights was yesterday extended until September 30th. The industry is hurting. Indigo, the country's largest airline, is filling only a third of its seats, leaving profitability far from reach. Those who are travelling will find their trips a bit more expensive. Today, the government is raising the aviation security tax by 10 rupees, or 0.14 dollars, on domestic tickets and 25 rupees on international ones. That will recoup only a tiny portion of the lost revenue that normally goes towards funding security procedures at airports. Those airports may soon become less competitive. Yesterday, Adani, an Indian group, announced a deal to buy a controlling stake in Mumbai's international airport. It looks likely to repeat the process across the country, giving it, many worry, a virtual monopoly. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Siegfried Sassoon, who died on this day in 1967. Soldiers are citizens from death's grey land, drawing no dividend from time's tomorrow. That's it from The Economist's morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you'll have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 